longtime members at Liberty and left us a few years ago, and I'm still a little bit mad at them uh, for leaving, but I'm glad that God brought them back here for a few days to visit with us. It's good to see you guys. Caden grows a foot and a half every time uh, he goes away. Last week, we uh, started something that's a little bit different for us here at Liberty. Usually, we take a book of the Bible, and we take five or six years to preach through one book of the Bible. It's only a slight exaggeration. Uh, But we're usually preaching through a book of the Bible, and for the month of July, we're actually taking kind of a big-picture topic about some of the Christian practices, some of the Christian disciplines that we do, and we do together. So last week, we talked about singing, but we talked specifically about singing together. We're not talking about you singing in the shower or you singing when you're driving down the road listening to your favorite group. We were talking specifically about what happens when we sing together as a church body. This morning, we're going to be talking about praying together, praying together. In Acts chapter 2, you know, the book of Acts is describing the experiences of the early church. The Holy Spirit comes to them in Jerusalem during the celebration of Pentecost, and on that day, the Holy Spirit fills them, and they, um, they, the, the early church begins, as it were, and many are saved by the preaching of the gospel, and they're baptized, they're added to the church, and they begin doing some things together. Not only do they begin doing some things together, but they actually commit to doing those things together. The Bible uses the word devoted. We're going to see that here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'm just going to read that one verse this morning. We're going to use some other scriptures to inform our study of praying together this morning. But here's our jump off point this morning. And they, the they that's being referred to here are those who have been saved by the sermon that Paul has just preached. They are baptized and they're added to the church. Those they, those Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the prayers. Father, as we look into your word together this morning, would you please open our eyes so that we would behold wonderful things out of your law. We're here on this earth and it's hard. We don't feel like we belong here. We feel like sojourners. And what we need is for our eyes to be opened to true things about you and the true things in your word. Please don't hide your commandments from us, but expose them to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if my accounting is right, if I've counted correctly this morning, we've prayed together in our service four times this morning. Matt's prayed, Will's prayed, I've prayed maybe a couple of times, but four, maybe five times that we've prayed this morning. Let me ask you a really kind of confrontational question. Have you prayed at all in this service so far this morning? Matt's prayed, and he's prayed for all of us. And Will's prayed, and and he's prayed for all of us. And, And both of them have prayed in a way that we're all supposed to be praying together. And I've prayed a couple times, and I've 
tried to pray in a way that we've all prayed together, but have you, have you joined in with that corporate prayer, any one of those four corporate prayers this morning? And the reason I say that that's kind of a confrontational question to ask is because that's a very confrontational question to me. Like I, as I've been thinking about this sermon and preparing for this sermon, I've realized that most Sundays, during most of the corporate prayers, unless I happen to be the one leading the prayer, I'm not praying. I, like, not at all. I'm, not, I'm often not even listening to the prayer that whoever else is praying is praying. Often, like the overwhelming majority of the time. I'm not praying. Prayer is really hard. At least I think so. And many of the Christians that I've interacted with and that I you know, have conversations with, they would admit as well that prayer and praying is just really hard. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. You don't even have to nod your heads. But I have a feeling that many in this room this morning, if you were really honest, you would say, man, you know, one of the reasons I don't pray, like I don't pray corporately, I don't pray together, but I, like I don't, just, I don't even really pray that much individually because prayer is really hard. And if you were one level more open and honest, none of us want to say this out loud. But some of you, your personal experience, I, I don't know why I'm saying you, some of us, our personal experience is often that prayer is boring. Like, it, it's hard. I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to be praying about right now. And I start praying about a friend, and then I think about some circumstances in that friend's life, and then I think about the last time we went fishing, and then I think, I want to go fishing again. And then I text Matt and say, hey, when can we go fishing? Right? And then, like, that was the extent of my prayer time right there. And I'm not making that up. Like, that's not like, hmm, I wonder maybe someone's had that experience before. I'm describing Jeremy McMorris's challenge with prayer. Praying is hard, and pray, pay, pay, pray, I gotta get this right. Paying attention while someone else is praying is even harder, and dare I say, more boring than praying on my own. I attended a church for several years in which the pastor, prior to his sermon that morning, he would pray. He would pray a corporate prayer, and his corporate prayer would often clock in at 10 minutes. Now, you might think 10 minutes isn't very long. 10 minutes is forever when someone else is praying, and there's an expectation that you would pray along. Do you, do you know what I did during those prayers? I slept, and I'm, like, it's kind of funny to say it out loud, but it's also condemning to say it out loud. Now, before we are quick to blame that pastor for the foolishness of praying for 10 minutes, I think it's possible that I had some responsibility to bear there as well. Praying is hard. Praying together is hard, and yet it's something that the early church devoted themselves to. Praying together was something that the early church devoted themselves to. My main point this morning is this. Christians pray together because God is glorious. I'm not simply making the point that Christians pray because God is glorious. 
The point that I'm going to make this morning is that we pray together because God is glorious. And, and I'm just going to unpack this using several questions this morning. What is prayer? Why do we pray? How do we pray? And what happens when we pray? And as some of you are note takers, I'll give all of those to you again. But we're going to talk this morning about prayer. And we're just going to ask the Bible several questions about praying and praying together. And my hope is this. My hope is that as we look into the scriptures and as I, as I uh, explain what the Bible teaches about praying together, that there will be just a little spark in our hearts and in our minds this morning, a, a greater desire to take God at his word and, and for us to engage more diligently in praying together. This sermon is not going to be some kind of I'm not going to wow you so significantly that for every Sunday for the rest of your lives, you are going to show up and think, I remember the Sunday that Jeremy preached that sermon, and man, he laid out corporate prayer in a way that I've just never seen it before, and I'm so excited about, man, can someone please volunteer to pray for 10 minutes so that I can pray along? I, I don't have the capacity to do that. I do think the Word of God has the capacity to inform us and to change our expectations and to show us a better way for us to pray together. What, what is praying together? That's point number one. It's just the question. What is praying together? <clears throat> well, the New City Catechism, which we've used here before, and we've got several copies of it on the bookshelf out there, says this, prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. I think it's a good definition. Mine's even simpler. If someone were to ask you, what is prayer? And you didn't have time to go to a theological resource, you didn't have time to look up a passage of scripture, well, what would you tell people that prayer is? You'd probably come up with a really simple definition. Prayer is talking to God. I actually think that's a good definition for what prayer is. Prayer, prayer, is, prayer is talking to God. And, and we need to start by remembering that these people who devoted themselves to praying together were first people who had, been, who had been brought together. The reason we are able to talk to God is because His Spirit gave us life. We have already sung about it this morning. You were blinded by your sin. You didn't have ears to hear His voice. There was no love within. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, has saved us and brought us into the family of God. And the reason that we can pray, the reason that we can talk to God, is because God has saved us and brought us into his family. For those who will turn from sin and trust in Christ as their Savior, you are brought into a family. I can't go to Mike and ask Mike for money. But do you know who can go to Mike and ask Mike for money? They're sitting on the road there next to him, right? They're in, oh, <laughs> well, they can ask. <laughs> they can ask, right? They, they, may, they may not have any better luck than I'll have. But the point being, like, I can't just march into someone else's family and say, hey, you know, I want this, I need this, help me, help me. But, but when you're part of a family, you can go to that person and, and you can make your request. Thanks for blowing my illustration. We can talk to God because we've been made part of the family of God. Our sin had separated us from God, but Jesus brings us back to God. In Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, 
And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There are so many incredibly glorious truths in that passage, but basically it's saying this, since Jesus saved you, you can walk confidently right into his presence. You can talk to God. You can walk into the presence of God and talk to God. One Christian author, Megan Hill, writes this, what do our prayers justly deserve? Our prayers deserve silence. And yet, the God who rejected the prayer of the wrath-bearing son accepts our prayers because of him. Jesus says, if possible, let this cup depart from me. And God says, no, the the cup of my wrath is going to fall on you so that those who aren't part of my family can come and talk to me. Prayer is talking to God. And we talk to God because Jesus has made a way for us to talk to God. But corporate prayer is different than just you praying individually. Most of us, once or twice a day, once or twice a week probably, pray. We thank God for our food. We pray with our kids before we put them in bed. Maybe you pray a prayer on your way to work, that sort of thing. But that's not what this sermon is about. This sermon is about what we do when we're gathered together in a room like this or maybe in a small group prayer setting or in each other's homes with each other. Corporate prayer is praying together. And, and remember... It's, it's helpful to remember, and again, the setup of the room, even for the, this month, is intended to help us remember this. Church is not a place that you go to. Ch- church is not a location. When you drive by on Monday morning at 10 a.m., do you know what's not in this building? The church is not in this building at 10 a.m. This is a building where the church gathers. And look, I'm not going to fuss at you. I call this building. The, I'll tell my kids, go to the church and get, right? So I'm, I'm being inconsistent in my own use of language. The church, though, isn't a thing that you go to. The church is a group you belong to. That Christ, when he saves you, places you in. You don't have the option of being a Christian and not being part of a church and obeying God. You are a Christian who is part of a church in order to obey God, but there's no such thing as an obedient Christian who's not part of a church. The Bible knows no such critter. The church in Scripture is called a plant, and plants have leaves and branches and stems. It's called a building, and building has... A building has um, different components that make it up. It's called a body, and a body has different um, limbs that make up a body. Believers, one author says, believers can't opt out of community any more than a branch can separate itself from connection to other branches on the same tree. Our union with Christ necessarily joins us to everyone else who is united to him. And the early church was devoted to doing this together. Um, this is not complicated. What is corporate prayer? What is praying together? If you were waiting for a fancy schmancy, like blow, blow your mind kind of definition. So if praying is talking to God, do you know what praying together is? Talking to God, talking to God together. That's right. It's talking to God together. 
the early church was devoted to doing this. And I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating that when Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. The Lord's Prayer, he, he, he gives them what we call the Lord's Prayer, and he gives it to them using first-person plural pronouns. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forget the like like Jesus himself when teaching his disciples to pray is teaching them to pray in a corporate way in a corporate manner it's not just an individualized prayer he doesn't say my father who's in heaven forgive me my sins etc and so corporate prayer is praying is praying together why should we pray together. Why should we do this? I mean, can't, can't we just pray individually? I mean, is it really that important that I'm tuned in and paying attention when someone else is leading from the front and leading from the pulpit in prayer? Well, first of all, I'm going to give the most obvious answer. Why should we pray together? Well, first of all, it's commanded. Like God says, pray together. In Romans chapter 12, it says, be constant in prayer. In Colossians chapter 4, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And throughout the epistles, there are these commands to pray. And here's what we have to remember. When God has Paul write this to, uh, writes the letter of Romans and writes the letter of Colossians and writes the other letters to the epistles, he's writing to groups of people. And so these groups of people are being told to remain steadfast in prayer and to be constant in prayer. They're written, the, uh, the letters are written to churches, to groups of people, not individuals. And God is saying, listen, pray together. I want you to pray together. Pray for these things. Pray in this way, but pray together. God commands it. And through the book of Acts alone, there are 28 different specific times where corporate prayer, groups of people praying together for different reasons and for different things is mentioned in the books of Acts. Brothers and sisters, when was the last time you prayed with someone else? I mean, with anyone else, or maybe a small group, maybe your family. I mean, that's praying together. A small group from church or some friends from church that you have over for dinner. We have to, first of all, realize that it's actually commanded that we pray together. Not only is it commanded to get, uh, to, that we pray together, but it's, ju- it's just it's necessary for us to pray together. The believers, uh, when Paul's writing to the believers at, uh, in, at Thessalonica, he says, brothers, right, plural, brothers and sisters, pray for us. And he's praying for the advance of the gospel because he knows that he needs it. He needs the help and the prayers of other people. He needs what only God can do, but he needs other people to be talking to God about what only God can do. Praying together should be done because it's necessary. We're under attack and Satan is a roaring lion. I, I still think that we are inclined to think that our best life is now. I, I think that many of us are inclined to think that life on this planet, life right here, right now, is supposed to be like vacation mode life, that life should be easy, that life should be without challenge, and and there's just there's no place in the Bible where that's given as the expectation of what life is going to be like right now. The, the Bible uses language like we're at war and there's an enemy who's out to destroy you. Right? So 
So if we're on some Middle Eastern battlefield right now, we're going to live differently than the Beavers lived last week at Disney World, right? There's a way, there's a very appropriate way to live in Disney World, right? Turn off your cell phones and party. But, but that's not, you don't take that mindset into a foxhole in World War II. You don't take that mindset. And, and brothers and sisters, there is a mindset we, we need to be aware of. We need to be aware that we are actually under attack. Satan is a roaring lion. In that passage in Ephesians where Satan is described that way, it actually says this, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Again, this is written to a group of people. So Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, look, you need to be praying all the time with all prayer and supplication. Supplication is not a word that we use very often, but it means your requests. To supplicate is to give your request. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're to pray, making supplication for all the saints. We're to pray for each other and with each other, and we're to pray for each other while we're with each other. We pray because it's commanded, we pray because it's necessary, and we pray because it's glorious. I mean, why wouldn't you pray? Why wouldn't we pray together? We can go to God together. You know, sometimes uh, your kids, one of them will, will come up with an idea. And they'll say, hey, I'm, we should ask dad such and such. Well, let's all go together. Right. And they, you know, together they go and maybe I mean, this, uh, this isn't like something dad's going to be upset about, but they know that, hey, maybe there's some strengths in numbers and we should we're all agreed on this. And we want, hey, dad, we all think you should do such and such. Right. Like you, you, you get a group of people together and you have the same goal, the same mind and you approach brothers and sisters. We can do that, but not with not with dad. God isn't like anyone we can compare him to. God isn't simply smarter than the smartest person you know. God isn't just the smartest person in the world. He isn't just wealthier than the wealthiest person you know. God isn't just stronger than the strongest person you know. He's not just nicer than the nicest person in the world. God is perfect in his wealth, his strength, his wisdom, his love. He's the full expression of each of those attributes. If you aren't a little bit aware that you can't fully comprehend that, then I'm not doing a good job explaining it. You should be a little bit confused, like, okay, wait a second. God, what, would, what is it like for someone to be perfect in love, to have the full magnitude of wisdom at his disposal, capable of absolutely everything. God is the one who spoke the universe into existence. He didn't work hard. I did some yard work around here yesterday, and at about two o'clock in the afternoon, I was hot and sweaty and done. God didn't like get through the six days of creating things and kind of sit back and think, man, I'm pleased with the way everything came out, but whew, that was a lot of work. God just speaks the world into existence. There's, there's not effort there for God. He is currently keeping everything and everyone alive. He is holding together all of the laws of nature right now 
and he's not working hard to do it. Gravity is holding us against this planet because God made gravity and keeps gravity doing gravitation. And your eyes perceive what's in this room because God is actively making your eyes to see this morning to greater or lesser degrees depending on our situation. How many people woke up this morning and thought, man, I hope I keep my heart beating all day. Okay, beat, stop, beat, stop, beat. I don't know how fast, you know, lungs fill with air. Okay, exhale, now inhale, right? Like you're, you're just, you're going and someone's keeping you going and it's God and he's doing it for you and he's doing it for the almost 8 billion other people on the planet right now. He has always and will always do what is right. God will, has always and will always do what is right. So he's not just strong and he's not just wealthy. He is perfectly strong. He is perfectly wise. He is perfectly loving. He keeps all things going by the work of his power. And he says this, hey, come talk to me. You guys get together and come talk to me. I want to help you. I want to hear from you. I want to pour grace out on you. I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, above all that you can ask or think. Come talk to me. He's invited us to come and talk to him. The reason we pray is, yes, it's commanded, and yes, it's necessary, but brothers and sisters, it is glorious. He has told us he desires to hear us, and he desires to answer us, and he has our good and his glory in mind. The real reason we pray together is because God is glorious. And every single aspect of prayer, every sentence you pray, is connected to the glory of God. That's, that's the big umbrella over every single thing we would ever pray. Let me try to unpack that a little bit. Every aspect of our prayers is in response to the glory of God. This is going to start to transition me into point number four, or point number three, rather. How do we pray together? Question number three, how, why do we pray together? Because God is glorious. Number four, how do we pray together? We pray together informed by the glory of God. Many of you have heard the acronym um, A-C-T-S for prayer, ACTS, the ACTS model of prayer. Raise your hand if you've heard that model before. Okay, yeah, lots of people. If you haven't heard this before, let me encourage you to jot this down in your Bible somewhere on a, on a note card or something. This, this is a really, really helpful tool to help us pray. The, the A-C-T-S, the ACTS model of praying, stands for adoration. So I pray to adore God for who he is. Confession. God, forgive me for who I am. Thanksgiving. God, thank you for doing what you have done. And there's the, the S is supplication, right? It's not a word that we use all the time. Supplication, or if you want to put in parentheses there, request, but supplication is where I'm taking my requests to God. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I would argue that anything we pray fits into one of those categories, Pretty neatly, pretty easily. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication fits under one of those four big topics and big headings. Think about this for a second. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication all are connected to the glory of God. We adore God better when we understand the glory of God. 
We confess our sins better when we understand the glory of God. We give thanks to God better when we understand the glory of God. We make our requests, our supplications better when we understand the glory of God. The glory of God is the thing that we have to see clearly and we have to understand. And when I see God and his glory, I can't do anything but adore how incredible. God, you are so wonderful. You're so powerful. I see who you are. His glory drives adoration. His glory drives confession. God, forgive me. You are perfect, and I ain't perfect. Forgive me. I confess my sin to you. I am thankful that you did not annihilate me because of my sin, but you have dealt with me graciously and patiently, and you've sent your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. And there's a million other things to thank him for. And then supplication. God, I'm in need right now, and there is no one who can do for me what I need done. I'm, bringing my, I'm casting my care upon you because you care for me. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. This, this is a wonderful model, and you may have a different acronym, or you may have a different you know, way that you shape your personal prayers, and that's fine. But I'm just saying that like, however you do it, I have a feeling acts, works. And I think this is a wonderful way for us to be expressing ourselves to God in each of these categories. Again, trying to help us understand the connection between the glory of God and the way we pray. Megan Hill writes, what is praise, or adoration, the word we're using, what is praise but telling God who he is? What is thanksgiving but savoring aloud the things he has done? What is confession but lamenting to God that we have sinned against him and how far short we fall of being like him? And what is supplication but requesting that God would do those things he most delights to do? She goes on to say, what joy. We who know our God, we who belong to him, just like children belong to a father, we love to pray. And there, this Acts model of prayer, please Use it if it's helpful, but it's not, it's not this rule that you have to every time you pray, you have to or, or uh, you know, use the Acts model, anything like that. It, it's just a guide. It's something that can be helpful. You can pray all four of these in one prayer. You can pray one prayer to focus on one of them, or you can include two or three of them. There's, there's no rule there. We pray these kinds of prayers as individuals, and we also pray them together. So when we gather as a church on Sunday morning, there are prayers that are more adoration-oriented. Usually we, we start with a call to worship, and we'll read a passage of Scripture, and that, that opening call to worship often has a prayer that's very adoration-focused. Often as we pray, one of the pastors prays before the sermon, we'll pray that God would con, uh, con, uh, forgive us of the sins that we have committed, the collective sins represented in the room. Often we'll pray prayers of thanksgiving and supplication for, for needs in the congregation or needs in our community or needs in our world. When we pray, we pray together this way. We do this in our prayers as individuals, and we do it together. Now, when we pray together, there are, there are really, I, I can think of kind of three ways that churches pray together. Number one is when one of the pastors or someone in a church service leads in a corporate prayer then there are times where churches will have prayer meetings, and that's a little bit different than the, the formal church worship service. And then there's the kind of praying that we do in each other's homes, around dinner table, uh, while we're fellowshipping together, that sort of thing. Let me just take a minute to kind of address all three of these here real quickly. I, I, I want to, first of all, 
apologize for so often being unprepared in how I've led us in prayer. Um, I would never stand up and preach unprepared. None of our musicians would just sit. Paula's not going to sit at the piano with no music in front of her and whoever's leading music having not had talked with each other. She's not just going to start playing notes and someone starts singing words, right? Like we, we don't spontaneously sing. We don't spontaneously preach. And while spontaneous prayer is absolutely a legitimate way to come before the Lord, it can also be a lazy way to come before the Lord. With the Lord's help, I and the elders here will do a better job of leading us in prayer in a way that's meaningful and intentional. I don't mean that we're going to have scripted prayers every week, although there's nothing wrong with scripted prayers. There's nothing wrong with scripted sermons. There's nothing wrong with scripted songs. There's nothing wrong, like, to, to give thought to how I'm going to talk to God. That's, that's not, a bad, it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Some ways that we, and when I say we, the elders, I'm definitely the one who has, has led this the most, and, and I'm the one who needs to take responsibility for how I've done it poorly and I want to do it better. We should pray. There's some ways that we can help us pray together. I mean, again, when someone else is praying, it's hard to pay attention when someone's just preaching right now. Like I can tell some of you are kind of in and out this morning. It, but it's really hard when someone's just praying to pay attention to, to what's going on. I think there's some things that we can do to help, that the prayer leader can do to help. First of all, I think that when we pray, we can pray in the first person plural. God, would you please come and meet with us this morning? Grant our request, hear our prayer. Again, the Lord's prayer is written in the first person plural. I think we can and we should pray scripture, that we should use the word of God. Will did that wonderfully this morning when he started uh, our service with Proverbs chapter 9 and then used that to inform the way that he was praying about things. So instead of just like reading Proverbs chapter 9 and then just praying whatever came to his mind, he let the word of God direct and steer his mind as, as he prayed. That's a wonderful way to pray. I think we can pray better. And, and this goes for any of us when we're praying in a group of people. We can actually pray better when we pray as if we were actually talking to someone. You should pray as if you're actually talking to someone because you are actually talking to someone. Can, can you imagine if we talked to each other the way we talk to God? How weird. Like we, I'm absolutely the guiltiest one in the room. It's like we become a different person and talk to God in some weird way. Imagine if I talk to my wife this way. Dear earthly Angie, I hope you have a good day. I ask that you'll just fix my supper, Angie, and that you'll just make my bed and clean my room. And Angie, I just want you to help me to have a good day and just help everyone to have a good day. And Angie, I just want to say I wasn't very nice to you yesterday, Angie, so sorry about that. And please, Angie, wash my clothes, and please just take care of our kids today, Angie. Thanks. It sounds really weird, doesn't it? That's, but you heard in that the way we often talk to God. His name is overused. We ask him for a bunch of stuff. We might make a passing remark about how we failed yesterday, and that's about it. When you talk to God, you're actually talking to God. You really are talking to God, and you can talk to God. You really can't talk to God. You can do it respectfully, but you can talk to God the way you talk to other people. And in fact, sometimes you pray with someone and you listen to them pray and you think, my goodness, they're talking to God. 
like they're really talking to God. Because they probably are. There are ways that we who lead prayer can lead better, and this is a way that I want for us to get even better at this. There, I want us to be able to lead corporate prayer in a way that engages you as a prayer. There are ways for you to stay focused and involved as a prayer as well. There are things that you can do that will actually help you stay engaged and stay in, um, uh, tuned in. Because when someone is leading in prayer, do you know what you're supposed to be doing? You're actually supposed to be praying as well. Like That's the point. Like we're... But, but that's hard, isn't it? Like, I don't know what they're going to say next, and I might get distracted. And I think there are a few things that we can do together. Psalm 106, verse 48 says this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. And sometimes we'll end a prayer around here with, and all of God's people said, and everyone will say, Amen together. Did you know that that's actually a wonderfully biblical way to pray together? It's a wonderfully biblical way to pray together to end a prayer, but did you know that you can do that the whole time someone's praying? That you can add a yes and an amen to someone else's prayer while they're praying, and it actually really does help. Have you ever, have you ever prayed with someone before? Maybe you hadn't prayed with them before, and you start praying, and they're real vocal along with you. Mm, yes, yes, Lord, yes. That may be, that comes, I mean, sometimes that's a little strange, especially when someone's really vocal, but do you know what that person's probably doing? They're probably actually really praying along with you. You lead in prayer, and I'm thinking about lunch or hunting or nothing, right? The man box, he has a box that has nothing in it, right? I'm thinking about nothing. Or you pray along with someone else, you pray, you lead someone else in prayer, and they're praying along, and that yes and amen, and yes, Lord, please do that. Did you know that that really is a, like it's a biblically informed way to pray along with someone. That's a biblically informed way of praying, and I commend it to you. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, as a congregation, to say amen during a prayer, collectively at the end of a prayer. Someone prays, God, please save my lost mother you could say amen. Yes, God. You could, uh, these are just different ideas. Yes, God, please save her. Please do this, God. Save Betty. You don't have to do all those things, right? Then you're praying more than the person who's praying is praying. But brothers and sisters, you can vocalize out loud or quietly to yourself or just quietly in your own mind, and I promise you it will help you pray along with the person who's praying. Because you can't add your amen to something that, you know, like they're just, you're not listening and then you say, amen, right? And then you realize, oh man, like they just prayed something that an amen does not fit with. There was a time years ago that I was in a, uh, a Wednesday evening prayer service and I was very tired and um, the person was praying and they put me to sleep with their prayers. I fell asleep, they didn't put me to sleep. And um, you, know, you know that thing that you do sometimes when you fall asleep and your body makes a noise and it wakes you up? Right, there, that, mm, right? so they're praying and uh, mm, <laughs> I did that, and then I just thought, oh, man, I hope that that, like, that made sense uh, it, with, uh, you know, that it somehow coincided with, the, um, with whatever that person was praying. And a friend of mine who knows me very well was in that prayer group as well, and he assured me that my mm, did not fit appropriately with what <laughs> that person was praying. 
I know that what I'm saying may seem strange to some of you, and I'm not, I'm not trying to give us, uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be cute or silly or give you little trinkets, brothers and sisters. I, my goal, it, I don't care if you vocalize a word or not in prayer, but I do think that some things like this can actually help you pray when someone else is praying. It might seem strange to you. You might, not be, you might be able to do it in your head or do it in, uh, 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 out loud. But be, be, the way I'm trying to describe it is this, be vocal during prayer. Pray along with the prayer. Another way that may help you to pray while someone else is praying, you, if, if you are prone to fall asleep when someone is praying, you can stand up. You, there, God didn't give us rules on how to pray. Some prayers in the Bible, people are standing. Sometimes people are flat on their face on the floor. Sometimes people are kneeling. If you want to kneel while someone's praying in church, kneel. You, you are welcome to kneel in this church. You are welcome to stand while someone is, is praying. You can close your eyes to keep, prevent from being distracted, but if you fall asleep every time you close your eyes, then you can keep your eyes open. Did you know that you can pray with your eyes open? God will hear it, and he's not, he's like, he's not like, oh my goodness, they're praying with their eyes open. You can pray with your eyes open. But brothers and sisters, I think it is important for us to work. The Bible says in 1 Timothy Paul tells Timothy, train yourself for godliness. So someone who's been captivated by the love of God and been redeemed by Jesus Christ, like, yes, we live in abundant grace, but we also have the, the responsibility to train ourselves for godliness. And prayer, for me, is a discipline that takes work. Brothers and sisters, let's work together. So when there are corporately led prayers of any sort, whether it's you know, uh, uh, a pastor leading on a Sunday morning, uh, a, a prayer time together on a, uh, you know, a, a church-wide prayer time, um, there, and there should be specially designed times to gather and pray. One pastor says, sadly, prayer is much neglected in the church today. Programs, concerts, entertainment, or the testimonies of the rich and the famous draw large crowds, but prayer meetings, on the other hand, attract only a faithful few. That is undoubtedly the reason for so much of the weakness in the contemporary church. Brothers and sisters, starting in fall when school starts back up again, we'll be starting a midweek prayer service up again, a, a short Bible study followed by an intentional prayer time together. We're going to do it. The plan right now is to begin it on Wednesdays once school starts, and there will be a time in the morning for those who may not be able to get out in the evening. There will be a probably, probably like a 9 a.m. prayer service, and then it will coincide during the children's ministry on Wednesday nights. We'll have a, a prayer time uh, uh, for our church to gather and to pray. So this is something that, this, this will be another way for us to pray, for us to pray together, and we'll pray together using this ACTS model of praying. What happens when we pray together? And I'm almost done here. What happens when we pray together? I think there, there could be a long list here. Here's, here's a list with, with some help of some other books that I've read this week. Here's some, here's some things that um, I believe happen when we pray together. First of all, we love better when we pray together. We love God better and we love others better when we pray together. If I'm praying acts before God, A-C-T-S before God, I'll grow in my knowledge of him and in my relationship to him. And if I'm praying for you, I'll grow in my love for you. It's hard to be bitter and angry at someone you're praying God's blessings for, isn't it? Some of you know this experience. 
someone that you're upset with, and you just think, I'm just going to pray for them. And God doesn't change them. He changes you. Our love grows when we pray together. Our discipleship grows when we pray together, when we get to know each other better and can spur each other on toward love and good works. Do you know that one of the best questions you can ask someone early on as you're getting to know them is, how can I pray for you? And then you begin to learn about their life and their, what's going on with them, and, and you learn how to pray for each other, and you, you know each other better and are able to disciple each other better. Another result of praying together is that humility is fostered when we pray together. It's a humbling thing to get on your knees ever. It's a humbling thing to get on your knees with someone else. It's a humbling thing to get on your knees together before God. You can't spend time truly praying together and maintain pride because you're acknowledging both of us have to get down on our knees before the only one who can do something about what we're praying together for. You don't have the resources intrinsic to you to fix this problem. And so you share it with me, and I don't have the the resources necessary to fix that problem. And there's just a little bit of humility that's fostered right there. And so let's go to God and acknowledge who he is and who we are in light of who he is, and we're going to talk to God together. Humility is fostered. Love is fostered. Discipleship is fostered. Humility is fostered. And brothers and sisters, revival is fostered. And here is where I could take an hour and give illustration after illustration after illustration throughout human history of God using just a few people who gather together. Almost all of the testimonies are of groups of people, small groups of people, but they're praying together, and God brings revival into their village, into their church, into their community, into their country. Revival results when we pray together. So praying together happens because God is glorious, and when we pray together, we see that God is glorious. But it's hard, isn't it? It is hard. It's okay to acknowledge that something's hard. A lot of good things are hard. But let's work at it together. Praying together is a gracious gift from God. Christ has brought us together. And so, brothers and sisters, let's pray together because God is glorious. Let's talk to our Father together because he is glorious. Let's do it in a way that's intentional, a way that engages all of us when we pray together. And let's expect that God will bring about love and discipleship and humility and revival. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And now I have the unenviable task of praying corporately after I just got finished talking about praying together. We're going to sing together here in just a moment. I mentioned already that the reason we can pray together, the reason we can go to God is because Jesus Christ has made us his children. And if there's someone here this morning and maybe you hear a lot of this and you think, I'm not sure that my faith is in Christ for my salvation. I, I'm not a child of God. I've, I've, I, I don't know where I stand before God. Then let me just assure you that there are many of us in this room who would love to visit with you and explain that to you and help, help you understand where you are before the Lord. If you would see me or Pastor Matt or Pastor Will, we'll talk with you or we'll pair you up with someone that you'd like to talk with to make sure that you are a follower of Christ. I think all of us in here this morning may need just a minute to repent of not corporately praying well and to ask God to help us pray together well. So I'm going to give you just a few moments of silence, just 
30 seconds, 60 seconds of silence. I'm going to let you pray to God, and then I'm going to lead us corporately, and then we'll sing together. Father, we adore you for being glorious. We adore your love, your perfect love. We adore your wisdom. We adore your strength. There is no one like you, perfect in holiness. Your perfection shines a spotlight on our imperfection, and we confess, we confess that we've sinned, against you in a thousand different ways, a thousand different times, individually and even collectively. So, Father, we confess our sin and we ask that you would forgive us of our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. Please forgive us of our sins. The things that we should do best, the things that should come easiest to us, praying, which should be like breathing for a Christian. We fail to do it individually, and we fail to do it well corporately. So forgive me for not leading well in corporate prayer, and forgive us for not engaging well in corporate prayer. We thank you that your word gives us reasons to pray, examples of how to pray, incentive to pray, and results for, for prayer. Thank you for this word from your word this morning. We thank you that you're a God who wants to hear our prayer, and we thank you that you're a God who can do what we need done. We're thankful that you're a God who answers our prayer. And our supplication this morning is that you would actually help us to pray. So we're praying that you would help us pray. Our supplication is that you would help us pray individually and that you would help us pray together corporately. Many of us need to engage in prayerful habits that do not come easily and do not come naturally to us. So please help us. Please change us by your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your hymnal. And turn to number 526. Your hope is not in me as a pastor. You learned that years and years ago. Your hope is not in you.